Welcome to the January 18th, 2007 edition of Threat Monitor, where we offer the latest advice on information security threats. Today's tip, 10 Emerging Malware Trends for 2007, is written by Ed Scotus. The bad guys have cranked up their malware-generating machine in the past couple years, honing their methods to create powerful malicious code. And the small trickles of advanced malware that we've seen in recent months are indicative of a tumultuous future. Here are 10 trends to keep an eye on from the malware front. Number 10, spyware protected by rootkits. Spyware authors primarily make money when their software injects ads into users' surfing experience, sends spam from a user's machine, or performs keystroke logging to snag account numbers from a victim. The longer spyware is installed on the system, the more money an attacker can make. Enter rootkits which alter operating system software so an attacker can hide code while maintaining control of the system. Today's sophisticated rootkits can hide attackers' files, processes, and network usage from unsuspecting users and system administrators. This powerful combination, which sticks spyware to the victim's machine using rootkit techniques, make detecting and eradicating malware very difficult indeed. To fend off such attacks, Keep antivirus and anti-spyware tools up to date and utilize free rootkit detection tools like Microsoft's Rootkit Revealer, F-Secure Corp's Blacklight, Sophos's Anti-Rootkit, McAfee Inc.'s Rootkit Detective, and Trend Micro Inc.'s Rootkit Buster. Number 9. Totally smashing trust with evil certs. When a browser is installed, it contains certain digital certificates of certificate authority companies that your browser vendor believes are trustworthy. These companies can generate certificates for other organizations, such as banks, e-commerce companies, and software vendors. Unfortunately, some savvy hackers have started to install alternative evil certs into the browsers of infected machines, meaning even after a victim discovers and removes an attacker's spyware, a phony certificate would tell the previously infected machine's browser to trust malicious websites, thus making reinfection even easier. To mitigate this threat, periodically check the trusted certificate authorities that are configured in your browser and verify that those companies can indeed be trusted. Internet Explorer users can check these certs by going into Tools, then Internet Options, then Content, then Certificates. Once in the Certificates tab, Go to Intermediate Certificate Authorities, then Trusted Root Certification Authorities, then Trusted Publishers. Number 8. Editing Network Configurations and Disabling Anti-Malware Tools in Multiple Ways For years, some malware samples have attempted to foil antivirus and anti-spyware updates by altering local host file to point the domain names of various anti-malware vendors to 127.0.0.1. That way, when the anti-malware tool tries to receive its update, it resolves the vendor domain name to local host, where unfortunately there isn't a server waiting to deliver signature updates. Look for hackers to bring this technique to new levels this year. While altering a host file is pretty blatant, attackers have started using more subtle tactics like attempting to change personal firewall settings to block access to anti-malware sites or running scripts that turn off various antivirus and anti-spyware tools. Hackers are also starting to deploy malware that renders the anti-malware tool blind, a tactic that's harder for users to spot. To defend against such attacks, pay attention to the update status of your antivirus tool. 
and verify that it can download new signatures. It's also wise to periodically check your antivirus tool. I recommend using the EI Certificate Authority R's free antivirus test file. If the anti-malware tool cannot detect the EI Certificate Authority R, in all likelihood, it has been disabled. So, what other malware trends should information security practitioners expect to see in 2007? We'll find out after this word from our sponsor. Are you struggling to control the many aspects of messaging security in your enterprise? Keeping tabs on email security, instant messaging security, and mobile device security is a challenge for every InfoSec pro. But SearchSecurity.com's Messaging Security School is here to help. Each on-demand lesson is packed with tools and tactics to help you develop and implement an effective messaging defense strategy. Learn essential practices for securing mobile devices, study countermeasures for malicious email code, and gain the keys to safeguard instant messaging. Start your coursework today at searchsecurity.com slash messaging. That's searchsecurity.com slash messaging. Number 7. Self-Updating Malware and Metamorphic Code In an effort to stay ahead of anti-malware signature updates, and to deploy new functionality to extend the capabilities of their botnets, attackers are increasingly deploying self-updating malware. Such tools pull attacker-controlled websites for the latest updates, which bad guys can then install on hundreds of thousands of machines in just minutes. In effect, the attackers are implementing distributed software distribution, not unlike their own private Windows Server Update Services, or WSIS. To stay ahead of this trend, update antivirus and anti-spyware tools once a day, and use tools like Microsoft's Sys Internal TCP View to look for unusual connection activity going to or from the system. Number six, peer-to-peer botnets. Historically, botnets have been controlled using Internet Relay Chat, or IRC. Each bot logs into the same IRC channel as its creator. The attacker issues the commands, which all the bots read, and then perform. But there's a problem for this for the bad guys. There's a single point of failure. If investigators shut down the IRC server or remove the channel, the botnet cannot accept commands, thus preventing the attacker from communicating with the minions of infected machines. To avoid this, attackers are starting to use peer-to-peer protocols to direct botnets without a central point of control. Some cutting-edge criminals are also looking to control botnets using the waste and Skype protocols used for Internet-based phone calls. These two techniques indicate that attackers are, in effect, creating highly distributed systems and are devising clever mechanisms for managing their distributed empires. To prevent this, use a tool like TCP View or the NetStat command to look for unusual communication streams that are going to or from the system. Number five, script-based worms for Web 2.0 sites. Recently, we've seen attackers exploiting web services, which often allow one user to post information that thousands of others can read. These so-called Web 2.0 services include the likes of MySpace, Facebook, Gmail, and countless others. Some are vulnerable to cross-site scripting, in which malicious hackers post a script to their page in the service and then trick users into viewing the page via a browser. Once the victim reads the page, his or her browser runs the attacker's script. This script then uses the victim's account to add the script to the victim's own profile. 
if anyone else were to read this victim's profile, their account would also become infected. The contagion then spreads account to account using victims' browsers as the vehicles to run scripts from other users' profiles. To help defend against Web 2.0 attacks, log out of any accounts and browsers when not in use. Number four, client-side exploits. As Microsoft has worked to eliminate server-side exploits, attackers are increasingly hunting for exploitable vulnerabilities in client-side software, including browsers, file viewers, and music applications. In 2006, we saw several zero-day attacks in software like Internet Explorer, Microsoft Word, Microsoft PowerPoint, and many others. After creating an evil file that exploits the given client software, attackers then spew it out in spam or load it into websites around the world, exploiting users who read the email attachment or simply surf to the wrong site. Look for many, many more of these in the future. To defend against them, diligently patch computers and ensure that anti-malware software is current. Finally, consider using host-based intrusion prevention systems such as McAfee's Intercept and Cisco Systems Security Agent. Host-based intrusion prevention systems can defend against many attacks that haven't been seen by preventing the actions exploitable applications may take. Number three, privilege escalation attacks. With the release of Windows Vista, Microsoft has worked hard to create an operating system that more carefully divides users' privileges. With Vista, it should be easier to deploy users in roles that let them get work done without granting them local administrator privileges. This is certainly a good advance if the Microsoft promises are accurate. Too many organizations today let's let their users surf the web and read emails from admin-based accounts. But if Windows Vista succeeds and eases the deployment of users without admin rights, attackers will most certainly need to develop new techniques. Certainly, they'll still be able to break in with a client-side exploit, but because clients have limited privileges, they won't have complete control of victims' machines. Therefore, look for attackers to focus heavily on finding local privilege escalation attacks that will jack up their non-admin accounts to local system privileges, the most powerful local rights on a Windows machine you can have. To defend against what may be an avalanche of these exploits in 2007, keep Windows patched and deploy antivirus anti-spyware tools. Number two, really big botnets. It almost seems quaint to think of the botnets of a decade ago with one to 300 systems under control of one malicious hacker. Today, such numbers represent a baby botnet. Hackers have extended their empire so that botnets of 60,000 infected machines are run of the mill. Look for bigger botnets in the future, with several examples tipping the scale over a million systems. With economies of scope at that magnitude, the attackers wield immense computing power. They can direct a flood and knock systems off of the network, crack crypto keys and passwords at rate that only used to be available to highly funded government agencies. To deal with this trend, those responsible for the security of an organization's network should have the emergency number for their ISP. So if there is a massive attack against the organization, key personnel are notified. And finally, number one, move to non-computer platforms. The vast majority of malware to date has affected PCs. But as more and more processing power is added to non-computer platforms, 
more generalized operating systems will be able to store sensitive data. In 2007, watch, watch for attacks against cell phones, PDAs, and dare we even say it, even the iPod? As such devices proliferate and are connected to the Internet wirelessly, a whole new malicious code vector will certainly surface. While there aren't a lot of defenses available now, antivirus vendors will realize the need for such tools in this new environment and release products specialized for this realm.